Well, are you ready for the word this morning? Are you ready? All right. Now, I understand that today is, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. A lot of people are gone and the numbers are down a little bit, although we have a good group here this morning. So, but because that there are not as many here, not as much energy in the room, I need you to help me a little bit this morning. All right. Somebody going to help me preach? All right. All right. Amen. All right. Well, the title of my message today is The God Who Can. The God Who can. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20 says, Now to him who is able, who is what? Able. Yeah. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Can someone shout, Praise the Lord for this? Yeah. Aren't you thankful that we are serving a God who can. Well, I want to talk about this God who can this morning. Three things that I want to examine about him uh, in this message today. The first thing that I want to examine is his ability. Let's talk a little bit about, about the ability of Almighty God. Well, first of all, let me suggest that, that it's unequaled. Yeah, the ability of God is unequaled. Equaled. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse number 11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Who is what? Over what? How many things? We're talking about the God who can. We're talking about his ability. Well, first of all, it's unequal, but also, also it's unlimited. Yeah, it's unlimited. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17 says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. What is too hard for God? His ability is unlimited. Unlimited. So, so, so you need to feed 5,000 hungry church folks dinner on the ground, but all you have is five biscuits and, and two little perch to feed them with? No worries. No worries because Jesus is here. Have the people sit down and get ready to eat. That's what Jesus said. So your brother has been dead for four days and his body is sealed up in a tomb. No problem, no problem, because Jesus, Jesus is here. Roll away the stone was the words of Jesus. We're talking about the God who can. He is able. His ability is unequaled, and it is unlimited, and, but sadly, it's underestimated. Even though God's ability is unequaled, even though it is unlimited, yet it is underestimated. Lord, Mary and Martha both said, Lord, if you'd only been here four days ago, my brother would not have died. Somehow, they had faith for his healing, but not for his resurrection. They missed, or they underestimated his ability, but haven't we all? Haven't we all? Oh, we have, we have faith for this, but we don't have faith for that. We have faith for others, but we do not have faith for ourselves. 
Let me ask you this morning, why do we underestimate our Lord's unequaled and unlimited ability? Jesus said to the, to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse number 10, Jesus said, Jesus said, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Oh, I want you to think about that. Contemplate. I want you to let that sink in for a moment this morning. If, if you only knew. If you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and, and who you are speaking to. We're talking about the God who can today. The God who can. Let me, let, let me read Ephesians 3 and verse number 20 again. Oh, oh, now unto him who is able, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or we could ever imagine. Friend, do not underestimate the ability of God because he's a God who can. But not only do I want us to examine his ability this morning, but also I want to examine his actions. His actions. Now, some of you are not going to be as happy with me in point two as you were in point one. Because you see, sometimes God's actions don't line up with his ability. I want to say that again. Sometimes God's actions don't line up with his ability. Let, let me give you the unvarnished truth this morning. The bulldog's in the house today. Well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to whitewash it. I'm not going to fluff it up for you this morning. Let me, let me give you the unvarnished truth. And here it is. Speaking about God, just because he can, doesn't mean that he will. I said, just because he can, doesn't necessarily mean that he will. Oh, we all agree this morning, God can do anything. God can do everything. God has absolutely no limitations. Is there anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. And yet, just because he can doesn't mean that he will. Remember, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Horshack? Oh, I mean Abednego? It, the story is, is recorded in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebi, the Bible says, erected a statue. And many theologians believe that this statue was a statue of himself. It resembled himself. And this king made it a law that, that when music was played at, at strategic times, that, that everybody was to bow down. Everyone was to worship this golden image, this statue that he had erected. It, it, it was the law. It, it was the law. And anyone who did not bow down would be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace and be burned up. And so, and so because the king decreed it, everybody obeyed. Everybody except these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, see, they served the true and the living God. They, they, they served a God who demanded 100% allegiance. A, a God who also had a law, 10 of them to be exact. And God's law forbid the worship of any other God. And these three Hebrew boys knew it. 
So how, how do they respond? Oh, we find their response in, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Let me read it to you. They, they, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, they said, our God whom we serve is able. He's what? Our God who we serve is able. He's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. But they went on to say something that, that they could be criticized in today's fluffy Christianity. They said, but if not. They said, our God is able, O king, our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. But if not, some today would call that a negative confession. I call it reality. They said, our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, but, but, but if not, if not, if he doesn't, oh, let it be known to you, O king, that we would not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego recognized God's ability to keep them out of, to keep them from the burning fiery furnace, but they also, they also recognized that God, God might just have a different plan. They recognize that just because God can doesn't necessarily mean that he will. Can I tell you, friend, in all honesty, that it wearies me. It wearies me, it wearies me when, when, when preachers preach that, that if you'll only use this faith formula. Here, here, let me give you this faith formula. And if you'll only use this faith formula, if you'll just do X, Y, and Z, you can get God to do anything and everything you want. He's like a genie in a bottle. Just, just do X, Y, and Z and, and make your three wishes. And you can command and you can demand and make God do anything and everything that you want because of your faith. Sorry. You've been misinformed. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes and even oftentimes God's actions do not line up with his ability. Just because he can doesn't mean that he will. And if he does it, oh, mark it down. If he does it, oh, understand that there's a divine reason why. Here's something else about his actions, and that is sometimes what we want him to do doesn't match up with his plan for us. You know, it has been said, and most people agree, that God answers prayer in one of three ways. When we pray and God responds to us, he either says yes, or he says no, or he says not now. I am of the persuasion that God answers prayer in one of five ways. Sometimes when we pray, God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not now. Sometimes he says, hey, I've got a better plan. And number five, sometimes he says, you want me to do what? Are you out of your ever-loving mind? See, sometimes what we want him to do doesn't match with his plan for us. James chapter four, verses two and three says, says you want what you don't have. So you scheme to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. You only want what will give you 
pleasure. Wow, you talk about a straight shooter. That's James. We're talking about the God who can. How many believe that God is a God who can? Yeah, we're talking about the God who can. But sometimes his actions do not correspond with his ability. Let me give you another reason why this happens. And that is we are not the only ones who are affected in the outcome of our situation. See, our world is rather small, right? Our, I didn't say the world, I said our world. Our world is rather small. Uh, it, it consists mostly of our immediate family, uh, a handful of friends, maybe your work, maybe your church. Our whole world is wrapped up in them, right? That's our world, and it's so small. So, so when we view a situation, we view it from, from this very narrow lens. How will this affect us is our main concern. But the real world, say the real world. The real world is so much bigger than our little personal world, the world that we have made for ourselves. But God, God sees the real world. God sees the whole world. He sees the, he sees the entire world. And he takes the whole world into consideration in everything that he does and everything that he chooses not to do. He can do what we want him to do. He has the ability, he has the authority to do what we want him to do. But sometimes, sometimes he knows that we are not the only ones affected in the outcome of our situation. Remember Joseph's story? Joseph, loved by his father, hated by his brothers. They hated him because of the favoritism that his father showed him over them. You know the story because, because of their anger and because of their jealousy. They, 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 they throw their own brother into a pit and, and then they sell him as a slave. And, and you know the story. Eventually, eventually, Joseph ends up in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but in my way of thinking, I, there, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Joseph prayed. No doubt he prayed when he was in the pit. No doubt he prayed when he was in the prison. No doubt Joseph prayed to be, to be delivered from the pit and from the prison. And God was able to do it. God was able to do it because God can do anything and God can do everything. And God was able to do it, but God had another plan. You see, the things that God allowed Joseph to go through helped prepare him for what he was taking him to. Write this down this morning. If you're taking notes and if you're not, shame on you. Write this down this morning. God will always take us through something on our way to something. God will always take us through something on our way to something. And what we are going through is preparation for what we are going to. God took Joseph through the pit. God took Joseph through the pit, but it was on his way to the palace. 
Joseph didn't know where he was heading. Joseph didn't know what God was doing with him. Joseph didn't know what this was all about, but God knew what he was, what it was all about. God knew what he was doing. God knew that he was taking Joseph through. Joseph wasn't ready to be ruler. Man, you know, he needed a little bit of cockiness knocked off of him. He, he, he needed to be humbled a little bit. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for the assignment that he would get uh, from, uh, you know, from uh, as second in command of all of Egypt. He wasn't ready for that. And God knew he wasn't ready. And so God took him through something in order to prepare him. So when he got to something, he'd be ready and he'd be prepared. Oh, we whine and we fuss and we cry and we think it's unfair and all of that because God isn't doing everything exactly the way we want him to and how we think he ought to be doing it. But all we don't understand is, is that God knows what he is doing, that God is doing something in our lives. Oh, even that song that we sing around here, I think even though, even when I can't feel it or can't see it or whatever, God's still doing it, right? He's, he's, he's always at work in our life. Amen. God took Joseph through the pit and through the prison on his way to the palace. And when it was all said and done, Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, Joseph said to his very own brothers who threw him into the pit and sold him into slavery, he said to his brothers, you intended to harm me. All of this was to harm me. It was to hurt me. It was to pay me back because you were jealous of me. You were hurt because of me. Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God, (laughs) say, but God, (laughs) Oh, yes, you intended to harm me, but God, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position. Watch this. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. It wasn't just about Joseph. It wasn't about just about Joseph's feelings. It wasn't just about what Joseph was going through. But God was not just dealing with one man, but God was dealing with the world and God was dealing with the country. And because God was dealing with the country, he used the man of God and he took him through some things so that many people, many people, not just one, not just himself, not so that he could be comfortable, not so that he could have everything his way. No, no. But God used what he brought him through because he wanted to use him to be a blessing to a multitude of people. We're talking about God's actions right now. Sometimes they do not line up with his ability. Notice one more thing here this morning, and that is this. Often what we think is right for us is actually wrong for us. Yeah, so often what we think is right for us is wrong for us. Have you ever asked God for something that he didn't give you? Oh, y'all get everything you asked for? You know, a bunch of babies. I'm playing, all right? I'm playing. Yeah, come, come, come on. Have you ever asked God for something and he didn't give it to you? How did it make you feel? You know, you know, at the time, man, you know, you didn't like it, right? You didn't like it. And maybe you even got a little bit angry at God, a little put out with God. Maybe you felt like that God let you down or, or, or something. It wasn't a pleasant, it wasn't a pleasant experience. But later, later you discovered something that you didn't know about concerning what you asked for. And now you are so glad. Oh, you are so glad God didn't do it your way. (laughs) I'm not going to put any names on this, but I remember, I remember a man who lived almost all of his life in regret because he lost his love. 
I mean, he was just head over heels in love. And, you know, when he was about 18, 19 years old with this, with this gal, and he was so in love with her and wanted to marry her and whatever. And, and she, and, and, and she broke up with him and broke his heart. And, and for years on, he just, he just pined about this old relationship and whatever, whatever. And, and sometime later I was talking to someone and we were talking about this situation and, 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 and this person, now I didn't say this, but it's what this person said, 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 well, just tell this person, uh, to be thankful that it worked out that way because they didn't miss a whole lot. <laughs> I know this person. I know them today. And just tell that person, man, I mean, they, they got out you know, and be, be grateful and be, listen, listen, oftentimes, oftentimes we think we know what we want. We think we know what will fix our problem. We think we know what will make us happy. And so we ask God, but God doesn't do it. He does it another way. But oh, later we find out, oh, thank you, Lord, that you didn't do it my way. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that you worked your will and not my will. Can anyone relate this morning? Well, I can. I can. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 says, says we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> so he prays for us. And when he prays, he prays according to the will of God. Friend, listen, when God's actions don't match his ability, oftentimes it's because what we think is right for us is actually wrong for us. But aren't you thankful this morning? Aren't you thankful that God knows what's best for us? We're talking about the God who can this morning. He can, right? He can. We're talking about the God who can. So far, we've talked about his ability. We've talked about his actions. The third and the last thing I want to examine about this God who can is this. I want to talk about his accuracy. His accuracy. Here's what we need to know about God's accuracy, and that is he always bats a thousand. I said he always bats a thousand. He never strikes out, never drops the ball, never makes an error. That's our God. That being said, we will never be able to understand his ways. You heard me. We will never, ever, ever, never, ever be able to understand his ways. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 says, God is speaking here and God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. And God says to us, he says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Mark that in your Bible. You'll need it. And then Romans chapter 11, verse 33 and 34, have this marked as well. The, the apostle Paul writes, and he says about God, he says, how, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. He goes on to write and say this, for who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to give him advice? Listen, friend, although God's ways are 100% accurate, we will never, ever be able to wrap our peanut brain around some of the things that God does and some of the things that he chooses not to do. 
I'm brave enough or stupid enough this morning, I don't know which, to tell you that I don't understand everything in the Bible. I don't agree with everything in the Bible. I scratch my head sometimes at God. Why did you do, wasn't that a little bit severe? You had to open the ground, you had to swallow them up, you really? <laughs> There's some stuff in there, man, it's tough. Oh, you, oh no, you don't, know. I do, I do. God doesn't always make sense to the natural mind. Because God's not working in a natural mind. He's not limited to that. Amen. And we already talked about the fact that all all we're concerned about is our little world. Just our four no more. Just our little group. The world we've made for ourselves. But, 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 But God has eternity in view. And every soul in view. In verse 34, Paul writes about God who knows enough to give him advice. <laughs> yeah, think about it. I mean, I mean, he's God. I love the old story. I've, I've told it before and it's not even in my notes, but I love it. I think I got enough time to tell it. Love the story of the man that thought, man, he was all that, you know. And he told God, he said, I can do what you do. You're a miracle worker. I can, mir- I can work miracles. You, you, you made a man out of dirt. I can make a man out of dirt. God said, go for it. Man reaches down, grabs a handful of dirt. God says, no, no. Get your own dirt. <laughs> Who in the world do we think we are? That we can say, why God? That we can get angry at God? That, and we all do. I'm not saying we don't. And I've done the same thing. But, but we need to understand that, that our God is an awesome, incredible, mighty, miraculous God. He's far beyond anything we could ever imagine or dream or hope for or think about or even ever be able to comprehend. And it's his world and we are his people and it's his business and it's not ours. Paul writes, who knows enough to give him advice, but we try to, right? Yeah, we try to in prayer. In prayer, we try and tell God what to do. We actually, we actually give him a to-do list. Really? (laughs) Really? Here's what I've learned, and that is, listen, seldom does God, God seldom does what I want him to do. I'm just being honest with you. More often than not, (laughs) seldom, seldom does God do what I want him to do in the way I want him to do it when I think it ought to be done. Seldom does that happen. But in the end, in the end, and oh, at the end of the day, when the dust settles, it, it always turns out right. Even if I don't understand, even if I don't agree with it, it's always, it's always right. And let me tell you that it might not be until we get to heaven that we fully comprehend. Here's the deal this morning. God, he is more interested in the why than he is the what. More interested in the why than he is the what. 
Oh, see, see, all we see is the here and the now, and, and, and all we're concerned about is how we feel, and all we're concerned about is what we have and, and what we don't have. But God already said it. God sees the big picture. He sees the beginning. He sees the end. He sees all that comes in the middle, and he sees it all at the same time. He's more interested in, what, in why something is happening than he is in what is happening. Why? Because the why is very important in light of the big picture, the whole picture. A puzzle is, com- is incomplete. It is useless if even the smallest piece of the puzzle is missing. Friend, God is into even the smallest pieces of our puzzle. Romans 8 and 28, one of my life verses, God causes all things to work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Here's the bottom line. This is where I want to get to this morning. I want you to get this and I want you to remember this this morning. The bottom line about God's accuracy is this this morning. Listen, listen, our faith must be based on who he is, not on what he does. Did you hear me this morning? I said, our faith, our faith must be based not on, uh, must be based on who he is and not on what he does. Back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. They said, our God is able. Yeah, he's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. But if not, if he chooses not to, if he has another plan, if he doesn't do what we, what he, what we want him to. But if not, if he chooses not to, if we indeed are thrown into the fire, they said to the king, let it be known. Let it be known that we would not budge, we would not bend, and we would not bow. The truth is this, and that is the faith of these three Hebrew boys was based on who their God was, not on what he was able to do for them. How about us? How about us this morning? Do do, do we only have faith when we're on top of the mountain? How about when the mountain is on top of us? Is our God only a God of the mountaintop and not a God of the valleys? We're talking about the God who can this morning and he can. He's able this morning. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, we could ever think, we could ever imagine. But listen this morning, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth can be found in our takeaway for this message today. And the takeaway for the message this morning is simply this. Just because God can doesn't mean that he will. Just because God can doesn't mean that he will. And also, just because God could doesn't mean he should. Father, I thank you today. God, I thank you today that you are in charge, that you you are in control today. God, I thank you today, God. I I thank you, Lord, for all of those times when you said yes to me in prayer, all of those times when you gave me what I wanted, what I desired, and what I thought was best. Thank you for all of those times. But God, I thank you equally for all of those times that, that you loved me enough that you said no to me. You're not ready for that. Oh, no, that's not right for you. No, that doesn't fit with my plan for you. No, no. No, no, oh, no, no, I'm not going to open this door because if I open this door for you, then the, the, the better door that's coming around the corner, you'll be already in the other door and you'll not be available for the new door, the right door that I've planned already to open for you. God, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you that you're working everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything you're working together for my good and for your glory. 
And so today, oh God, we submit ourselves to you, God. We submit our will to your will.